How many have ever been door knocking? Raise your hand for church. Ever? Wow, more, more than I thought. Uh, a couple of decades ago, you could actually just go knock on somebody's door, and um, they, they were glad that you were there, and, and many of us participated in that. Uh, the Landmark Church used to do campaigns across the south where we'd go to a, a certain city where the church was struggling, and we would knock on all the doors, and you could just count. There, there would be some people that would show up for that gospel meeting or that revival. Uh, how many of you have ever been chased by a dog when you were knocking on doors? Raise your hand, all right? It, it was sometimes a scary thing. But in American culture at that point, there was a safe assumption that people were either in church or they'd like to be in church. And so door knocking was actually quite effective. But you know today, if you were to go knock on the doors, you know, around this building, there would be a lot of people that would not even answer the door. And there would be lots of people that, that really did not appreciate you coming to their home. And so as we make this shift, we're going to have to make a shift in our strategy. And here's the strategy I want to encourage you about this morning is to invest and invite. Say that with me. Invest and invite. We've got to be people that are investing in people. We've got to win their trust. So let's go and let's talk about this investing. That's what we've been doing for the last few weeks. Uh, of, of going into our neighborhoods, going into our places of business, and investing. Um, the first place, according to a sociologist, is your neighborhood. It's the place that you live around. And I've been hearing so many great stories, even, even two stories this morning. One of a, a brother who's sitting here, as we talked about loving your neighbor, and had a, a riff with a neighbor next door about a tree on their, their property line. And he immediately went home and made that right. And then another brother, you know, I see my brother David Bratton, I was hearing about, who took that little neighboring sheet, knew a lot of his neighbor's names, and filled out the rest going around his neighborhood. So many of you have been doing that. And that's a great place for us to focus our mission. It's where we live. It's a great place to invest. Now, the second place is your workplace or your school. It, it, it's a place that you may spend more time every day at than anywhere else. It's an easy place to encounter people and build relationships. And then today I want to introduce you to what is called your third place, okay? A third place is a public environment where you encounter people. You know, I mean, you see on here a coffee shop, probably the most popular third place in America today. Saw some of you walking in with some of those cups. Is Starbucks, all right? I call it Big Bucks, all right? Because you've got to have some money to go in there. But it's set up as an environment where people encounter each other. And, and you can see just the beginning of those lists of, of places that you may go. You know, in, in my life, the, the third place I mark on the map out here is my neighborhood gym. That's the place I go most days a week, and it's a place that, that I can encounter people easily. In fact, I can give you, I was praying over my most wanted list this morning, I've got five people at the gym that I'm going to invite to Friend Day because we've been having some good conversations and good encounters. And, and so you invest. Now, in our day, sometimes you know, like when you walk in the gym, 
Often I know someone does not want me to speak to them. How do they signal that? They put their headphones in their ears before they even walk in. And they're just, they're focused. Now I still interrupt them, but they are focused. Now you'll find some other people who just are wide open. It's the best place for me. Now, where is your place that's your third place that you encounter people? You see, here's what we want to do. You want to go in your neighborhood, your workplace, your third place, and we want to be the most helpful people there. You know, we want to, to get behind some of those doors in our neighborhood. You may live in a really nice neighborhood where everything looks pristine, but I guarantee you, when you start getting behind those doors, you're going to find there's some problems. You may be in a school, you know, where you can encounter people easily, and you begin to see those people that you're building relationships with And so, you know, they need to be in a study group, and so you volunteer to be a part of that study group. You know, you're at your workplace, and there's somebody new. Maybe everybody's not even thrilled about them coming, but you're the first person to reach out to them. Because when you make the investment, then things can change. You begin to earn their trust. You see, the reason they don't want you knocking on their door is because most people in America today don't trust church people. We may not like that, but there's a lot of truth to that. So in these places, you are able to build their trust. So then you can invest and invite. In fact, I would really like to change the wording there if you don't mind. Invest, then invite. Say that with me. Invest, then invite. I think there's a divine order there. Jesus says it. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let it shine first before you say a word. The Apostle Paul says, wherever you go, live in such a way that makes the gospel attractive. They're drawn to you. They've already seen the gospel and how you treat people. Uh, Peter says, you live in such a way that people will actually come to you and ask you about your hope. Isn't that awesome? Paul says in Philippians, he says, you live in such a way that you live up to the call of the gospel. So the divine order is to first go wherever you go and love on people, invest in people. And then that opens the opportunity for you to invite. So today that's our emphasis. I want to go to an awesome passage in the Gospel of Luke, about inviting. Now, let me go ahead and give you the the context here. Jesus, it's a Sabbath day, and Jesus has gone, been invited to a dinner at a Pharisee's house. And, and, And the Scripture says there that they are carefully watching Jesus. Why? Because it's a Sabbath day. Now, if you know your Bible, you can help me out here. What are they afraid Jesus might do on the Sabbath day? Heal somebody. Thank you. We have one Bible scholar here. Heal somebody, all right? That he might heal somebody. And they're going to get all mad. Now, if I'm Jesus, maybe I want to stay out of trouble. And so I'll wait till the next day. The dude will still get healed. But can I ask you a question? Will Jesus wait till the next day? No. And so they're all sitting there thinking, this, this, this sick man comes in. They're thinking, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Now, they don't speak it out loud, but guess what? Jesus knows what you're thinking. So I'm I'm afraid if I'm one of them, I'm going, don't think this, don't think this, because he didn't catch you. 
So Jesus does what he does. He heals the man. And they begin to think terrible things about Jesus. And Jesus just lowers the boom on them. He says, guys, you are so crazy. If you had your oxen fall in a ditch today and he needed to be rescued, you'd do that? And yet you don't want me to heal this guy? In fact, it's people like this that, that you sort of shun. You go to a big banquet and you take the head tables. And when you're out there inviting, you're not inviting the hurting people. You're just inviting the cool buddies that you've got. That's not the way it ought to be. And then Jesus gets in this awesome parable of the great banquet. Go with me to Luke 14, verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So, so they hear this discussion, he just sort of blurts out. And this gives, this gives Jesus a great opportunity to teach them and us. Look at verse 16. Jesus replied, A certain man was prepared a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his service to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is ready. Now, you need to understand this about this culture. You would, first of all, send out an RSVP invitation, and then you'd know who's coming. And then when everything was ready, people didn't have watches and stuff, you would send out a messenger to say, it's all ready, come on. So you're expecting them to come. They've already said they're going to come, but look what happens. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered his servant, go out quickly in the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done, but there's still room. Listen to the, the master. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get even a taste of the banquet. Wow, what a story. Now here's the things that I want you to learn if we're going to become a great inviting church. We've been talking about being an investing church. Now we need to be an inviting church. What do we need to learn from this story? We've got to shift our view of God Guess who represents God in this story? The master. Guess what God does? God throws an awesome party. How do you think about God throwing a party? And yet that's exactly what goes on here. In fact, what they're talking about here is the great messianic banquet. Uh, another word, feast. That they've been preparing for for centuries. And that's what Jesus is referring to. Listen to this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 25 about what this party is going to be like. On this mountain, 
the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wines, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. My friends, not only does God throw a party, but God throws the best parties. You see, our, our parties don't even compare to the feast and wedding feast and banquets of this day. You know, we think a good party lasts five or six hours. A good party then might last three or four days. And it was full of incredible feasting and enjoying one another. And the picture here is that our God is a God who throws a party. Because many of us, we've got a different view of God. We view God like that small county sheriff who's got that speed trap in his county. And he's got his radar gun out ready for you to go 67 in a 65 mile per hour zone. Anybody ever been caught in a speed trap? And they're, they're, they're everywhere. And it's like the slightest infraction, and you're out of there. And many of us even grew up with a, a picture of a God, you know, who, man, we, we thought was looking for just the smallest infraction he would condemn us. You see, Jesus came to say, guys, listen to me. I've not come to condemn people. I've come to save people. What, what, what this story says, and not only I want to save you, but... I want to invite you to a party that God is throwing. And that's our second point. We've got to shift our view of God's invitation. My friends, he invites us to his party. Now, many people are not interested in Christianity because they have seen so many joyless Christians. And their picture is to follow Jesus will just be a sad existence. And, and sometimes we even communicate, it, it's really tough, and boy, you, gotta, you can't do this, you can't do this. You just got to sort of discipline yourself, and you just got to make it through this life. It's not going to be so fun, but at least you will make it to where? Heaven. And, and you will. But, but, but God does not. God says, what I want you to have between here and there is an abundant life. Because I'm not saying God's parties are like the world's parties. You don't walk away from God's party with a hangover. You don't walk away from God's party with big regrets or, or health issues because of what you took in, what you smoked, or what you imbibed. You walk away from God's party, man, with just a sense of thrill because you've enjoyed what's going on. And so, so we got to see, guys, that we're inviting people to a party. Doesn't that change? You want to change the way you'd invite I mean, guys, please don't be offended with me if you've ever sold this, okay? But, but th this is, I, I've heard about these. I've never been one, and maybe that's why I'm ignorant. But some of us, I think, are, are, are trying to invite people to a, a Tupperware party. <laughs> what do you do at a Tupperware party? Oh, look at here. My lid's tighter than your lid. <laughs> I'm the jackpot winner. I mean, it's just, I mean, maybe it's fun, but I just don't see it as very fun. My friends, we're not inviting people to a Tupperware party. We're inviting people to an awesome party. In fact, the word here for big banquet is the word for mega. We would say we're inviting people to a mega party, and it changes the way you invite. Now, you also got to see the serious parts of this. You got to shift your view of God's demand. You got to see why this is a big deal. You see, these people start making these excuses. Now, I've heard this preached. Maybe I've even preached it this way. 
is where these are just sort of flimsy excuses. Nobody has to go check out oxen they've already bought. They've already bought them. Nobody's got to go check on property. I mean, it just is it's sort of silly. Now, I don't know how you make the, the marriage thing flimsy, but, you know, it's like these guys, they're all offering lame excuses. You know, guys, the more I study this story, I don't think God is upset because they're making flimsy excuses. God is upset because they are making any excuses. It's not that God will accept flimsy excuses. The truth is, listen to me, God will not accept any excuses. This party is so good and so awesome that there is nothing in your life that is legitimate to come in between you and it. And and think about what he names here. He he names um, three of the big temptations to us. Our possessions, our occupation, and our family. And Jesus says, you know what, if you're going, you know what, when I finally get enough money, you know, saved and everything's secure, then I'm going to really be fired up for God. When I finally make it to that place at work where I don't have to work 60 hours a week, then I'll put God first, you know. When I, when I get my family all in place and everybody behaving, no, no, Jesus says, none of those excuses work because you're making an excuse to God. I love what the old preacher said, an excuse is nothing but a dressed up lie. The truth is God is so good. You can't say, let me get out of school. Let me stop doing this. You've got to say yes. And that's the next point. We must shift our view of the urgency. In light of what is at stake. See, here's the deal. The people that were expected to enjoy the party didn't even get a taste. And that's why Jesus says, you've got to be urgent about this. You've got to go out quickly. You've got to compel them. What's he saying there? He's saying you invite people in a way that you're not wanting to take no for an answer. Because you're inviting. Because it's like sometimes we pretend like we're inviting people over to do yard work. Let's say your lawnmower's broke or you're in health where you can't take care of your yard. And you've got to ask somebody to come help you. And so you, I mean, here's the way I would go. I'd say, man, I'm so sorry. And I'm a little embarrassed by this. But, um, you know, right now I'm just not able to, to cut my grass and weed eat it. And you're, my, you're my friend. Would you help me? I mean, uh, that'd be nice. I mean I, I would, I mean, I would do that timidly. Listen to me. You're not inviting people to do yard work. You're, I would invite completely different. If we're throwing a big party tonight and go, we want to love you to be here, man. We are going to lay out the spread. I mean, we're going to have a great time. It's so different. And that's where the urgency comes from. We know what's at stake. And then the last point here is we must shift our view of who we invite. Jesus says, the big-time religious people have said, no, I want you to go out and get the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. I don't think Jesus is really referring here to just physical infirmity. I think what he's referring to is spiritual infirmity. I want you to go out, and I want you to invite people that know they need God. That's why Jesus said, it's the sick people who need a doctor. And he says that to religious people. Now, when he said that, he's not implying they're not sick. He's implying is they don't know they're sick, and that's why they're not open. And so what he's saying to us is, guys, if we're going to be effective here, 
then often we got to go reach out to the people who know their life is messed up. My friends, like I said, you get in your neighborhood and you start knowing, on, knowing what's going on behind closed doors and the struggles people are having with marriages and children and finances, you're going to see some hurting people. You go to school. You don't, you don't need to focus simply on the cool people that you want to hang out with. You need to be looking for the person that's left out, that might be new to your school and lonely, who needs a friend. At work, you need to be out there looking for people. You know, sometimes we used to use these words. You know, we, we would say, so-and-so, now I'm invite them to friend day. They are a quote-unquote good prospect. And almost what we meant were they were pretty morally upright people. They just didn't go to church, and we need to get them in church. Well, what I'm telling you, my friends, is the best prospects are normally people who know something's missing in their life. And, and so, you know, be careful that we don't just gravitate toward the people that are like us. I mean, maybe we think we're cool, and so we want to just know. We're there, as Jesus says, to go out and look for those people that are hurting. Here, here's a great story about this I want to share with you. Many of you probably heard this story years ago. One of my favorite writers and preachers, a, a man named Tony Campalo. And uh, he's a very dynamic preacher, and he tells the story of going to Hawaii, and he's going to speak out there, but he gets there early, and it's jet lag, and he can't get to sleep. And so in the middle of the night, about 2 a.m., he goes out, and he finds a donut shop. And he goes into this donut shop, and he quickly overhears a conversation, a pretty loud conversation of a bunch of women there, and he, it doesn't take much to figure out they're prostitutes. And so they're, they're there, and he's getting his stuff, and in the middle of their conversation, he overhears that one of them, a lady named Agnes, it was her birthday. And so Campalo just decided to do something, sounds like Jesus. He went up to the counter, he asked the man behind him, could he purchase a birthday cake? And he purchases it, and he takes it out in the middle of these prostitutes, and he gives it to Agnes, and they sing happy birthday, and they're all looking like, who is this guy? And then Agnes is all full of tears, and she can't believe it. And she says, this is so beautiful, I've never, I've never had one of these. Can, can, can we not cut this one? Could you buy another one so I can go home and show this to my mama? Because she's not going to believe that somebody would do this for me. So he goes back and orders the next cake. While he does that, Agnes leaves immediately and runs out and goes home. And as she walks out, Tony Campalo turns around and starts leading a prayer. Thank you, God, that you're a God who leads parties. Thank you, God, that you believe that everybody is special. Thank you that you loved Agnes enough to die on the cross for her. In Jesus' name, amen. And now they're just all looking at him like, well, who is this guy? And the cook yells out from behind the counter, are you a preacher? And he said, yes. And one of the prostitutes said, what kind of church do you preach for? And here was his answer. I preach for the kind of church that throws parties for prostitutes and offers invitations to sinners. 
That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. How about you? Amen? That's what Jesus would do. Jesus would invite the unexpected to the table. And I want us to do that right now. We're, we're about to go to the table of the Lord. They're scattered out across this worship center today. And, and I want you to go to the table today and, and understand this is a place of celebration. See, so often we think, oh, this is the sad place where I remember how gruesome the cross was. No, 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 no. In the Old Testament, the sacrifice was the sad place. The eating the sacrifice was the place of celebration. The cross was a sad place, but we're not at the sad place today. We're at the table today. We're at the party today. And so today as you go to the table, it's meant to be around a table. So we we try to set this up so you interact with some people. And I want you to go to the table today. And as you're interacting with people, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but I think you can answer this question really easy. Could you just tell the person you're in line beside how God's blessed your life? Just share with them one blessing that God has brought in your life. One way he's made your life a party. So this morning, we're all invited to join Jesus at the Feast of Communion. There are some no-shows this morning, and many of us would confess that we're unexpected. We're not the people you first thought would be Christians meeting at this table. But this is a grace movement, and this is a grace moment, and so you find yourself here. So let's celebrate together. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this picture that we see of you today. A God who throws parties. It blows our mind. It almost makes us uncomfortable to say that because that's not the view we've had. But, Lord, you loved us enough to give us your Son You came not to condemn us, but save us. You didn't come to give us a boring life here so we might make it to heaven. You came to give us abundant life here. We know it's not always easy, but we've got something nobody else has. We don't have to get drunk to escape life. We don't have to get high to be joyful. You're our joy. And so this morning as we come to the table, God, help us to share one way you've blessed us. Help us to celebrate how good you are. Thank you for this amazing invitation you've given us to come to this table and to rejoice. Thank you for the body and blood of Jesus. As we partake of this, may we understand we are feasting on Jesus and the results of his grace. We pray in his name, amen. I love it. Reaching every neighborhood to reach every person. So, so if you bottom of your outline, let me give you the, the shift step for today, which is to invite the people you've invested in to a party. Change the way you invite. I mean, were, were you encouraged by the statistic? And, and did you notice a key word there? Eight out of ten people in America would accept an invitation to church from a friend, from someone who's invested in them. And yet the sad statistic was that only 2% of us have done that over the last year. I don't believe that here. But what would happen if 100% of us did? So the men are going to come down the aisle. They've got baskets of invitation cards for Friend Day. I love these. Our brother Jeremy Bagwell's done a great job. It's a little round, smiley face with all the information. We started a, a great series on Friend Day called Happy. I mean, so many people are 
are just struggling to be happy, and, and they're looking in the wrong places, and we know the right place. And so we've got 5,000 of these cards. We'd like you to, to take as many as you will use, and, and you go and you give those out to the people that you've invested with, the people you play ball with, the people that you work with, the person you've met and encountered well in your neighborhood. But before we leave this place to do that, I want to know that you're invited. I want you to know that you're invited to this party. You know, but before we go out there to invite others, many of us need to embrace how awesome this is. I don't know if you've been hurt. I don't know if there's some problems going on in your life. There's some sin that's holding you back. Some relationships that are holding you back. Or maybe you're making the same excuses that these guys made. My friends, there is no legitimate excuse to miss this awesome party. And so, can I ask you this question? Are you enjoying the party? You see, if not, then here's the way you invite people. We'd really like you to come to our friend day. Um, uh, we're sort of all miserable, and you could be miserable with us. Just come on. No, no. Man, I want to invite you to the best thing in my life. Which I want to invite you to encounter Jesus Christ. And so this morning, before we go out there, let's do some business here in our own church. If you're not living a life that's attractive to other people, if your life is not full of the joy and the abundance that God, God wants for you, if somehow, maybe like these religious uptight people that missed out on the party, You've been so uptight about life and church and everything that you've missed the party. Today's a chance for you to let us pray for you. If you're ready to follow a God who throws a party and you'd like to be baptized today, today's the day. We want you to come. We want you to accept, like we just sang, the Lord's invitation. If you need to come, come right now while we all stand together and sing.